Amen. This, this evening, I feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> I, don't feel, I don't feel very comfortable. Not because you know, I robbed a bank or I murdered somebody today or, or I ran over somebody. No, because he's so worthy and I'm not. You know, we're standing in the presence of the Lord. And that's not a very simple thing to say because when God is present, pretty much you can't, you can't do very much other than wait upon the Lord. But because he's given us the opportunity and the charge to come before you, we're going to take a portion of the word of the Lord and read to you. For this evening's message, I'd like to focus your attention on Acts chapter 1 verse 3 and Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. Reads like this, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion. After his passion, by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Philippians 3.10, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. I don't know if you caught that particular part of the scripture, but he is asking God for power to suffer unto death. Hallelujah. We need God to teach us some things that we think we know in a deeper light. And tonight we would like to occupy ourselves with the subject, the power of passion. The power of passion. Amen. As you're seated, let's ask God for anointing and grace upon uh, myself and every hearer of the word. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so kindly for bringing us together tonight to worship you and to praise you. Father, I pray the anointing of God upon every hearer today. Father, let your spirit run freely, your word run freely through this place, accomplishing that which you set it forth to do. I bind every work of the enemy that would come against the delivery and or the reception of your precious word. In the name of Jesus, we're declaring liberty and victory upon every person in this place. Give us wisdom and understanding. We might know the deep things of God. Take us to a place, Father, that we don't want to go and have mercy while we're there upon us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Passion. We recently viewed at the local church the, the movie, The Passion of the Christ, and I walked away troubled and wondered the passion. So much has been said about the passion, and I said, Lord, what it is about this passion? What does passion mean? What, uh, is it something we need to have? Is it something, how do you get it? What do you do to get passion? What is passion? Most people don't know. They'll see the movie, and they walk away knowing the title but not knowing the significance. But passion, by definition, means intense emotion, often rage or love, also enthusiasm and an eager desire. So, perhaps it's no coincidence that the Greek word pathos, usually translated to suffer or to feel, is used here to describe Christ's crucifixion. What a strange choice of words for such a hideous occurrence. Yet it alludes to a deeper truth that each of us must face. And I want to take you a little deeper than just what we see and what we hear. Although the meaning is about toward his suffering, we must look a little deeper beneath the sufferings of Jesus that he experienced and understand that there was an underlying joy or ecstasy beneath the pain of the cross. 
Now, I walked away from the movie, uh, having to turn away from certain scenes of the movie. It was horrendous to watch. But I'm sure that's the Hollywood version. The real version must have been even more gruesome. But the Bible says in Hebrews 12, 2, Looking on to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for joy was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, the cliche, no pain, no gain, suggests that gain validates the pain that we endure. That is only true for the person who has opened and allowed himself to want or need something bad enough to endure the unpleasantness attached to attaining the goal. Remember, passion means, by definition, intense emotion, often rage or love, enthusiasm, and an eager desire to accomplish your goal. There can be no fulfillment where there is no passion. The passion that causes us to achieve has to be strong enough to make us uncomfortable. The discomfort that comes from desire must be intense enough to keep us from aborting the intensity of our desire. Jesus, our prime example of success, had a cross between him and his goal. The cross was not the end. It was the means to a glorious end. He didn't enjoy the means, but he endured it because his passion was for the end result. Somebody shout hallelujah. Ecclesiastes 7 and 8 says, Better is the end of the thing than the beginning thereof. So what gave him the power to endure his means to achieve the end? It was his passion. His intense desire to overcome for us here tonight. There is an intense discomfort associated with passion and desire. It is not pleasant. It is, in fact, suffering. It is intense, unquenched desire that kind of gnaws at the fibers of your mind. It motivates us to action of fulfillment. Now, tonight, I want you to realize that passion creates suffering. Many people cease to desire just to relieve themselves of the pain and the struggle of trying to attain their dreams. Rather have a, an automated hand clap rather than a desperate cry for God. Rather, rather be a practiced apostolic Sunday goer than an intense worshiper of the Savior who died and resurrected for them. Rather have a manufactured song and a, and a manufactured hand raise and a hand clap rather than an intense desire and a hunger to go beyond the normal and make a fool out of yourself in the presence of the Lord an intense hunger and a raise to feel the glory of God that would make you do what you normally don't do in life. Oh, hallelujah. You see, people that refuse to create passion and suffering they become trapped in an intermediate, lukewarm state of existence that neither hot or cold, they're just existing. How you doing today, brother? Oh, okay. All right, same old, same old. That's where they're at. The state of affairs exempts you from the pain. Yes, it does. You don't have to suffer if you don't want to for God. But remember this. It's going to deny you of the pleasure of knowing who he is in a different light. You become safe from failure. Yes, you do. But you become exposed to depression and anxiety. 
Maybe you wanted to make a difference. I'm talking to somebody here. But since you ran into some obstacle, some cross, you decided to adjust your expectations to your limitations. And you keep smiling as if everything's all right when it's not all right. You can't be spared your tears. I can't help it. You're going to have fear and you're going to have trauma serving the Lord. In fact, it is the cross that validates the enormity of the passion. In other words, it is what you endure that expresses how deeply you desire from God. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody shout, hallelujah. Now listen up. Jesus suffered the loss of his disciples, his earthly ministry, his friends, even his clothes. The Bible says they cast lots at his bleeding feet for his seamless robe, John 19, 23. But they could not strip one thing away. They took it all from him. But one thing they couldn't strip was his passion to hang on in the midst of pain and suffering. They couldn't take out of his soul the passion and the desire to do the right thing in the midst of a wrong situation. They couldn't rip out of him the desire to please the Father in midst of an unjust and uncanny situation oh my God Jesus went through hell to reach the joy that was set before him but when he finished after his passion he got up with the keys of death and hell my friend his trophies were the stinger that was snatched from death itself and victory yanked out of the grave his prize was the church that was bought with his blood a few days earlier Jesus suffered not because he wanted to be a spectacle, but because if he could endure the pain, a church would be born. A pastor would be born. A church would be born. Oh my God, he endured the suffering. It was the means for a greater end. Somebody give God a hand, praise, come on. Let's give God the glory. Listen to what I'm going to tell you. John 3.16 says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's a whomsoever shall believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For see, he so loved us. This passionate lover whose kingdom was not of this world came to this world with an unfeigned love, reached into the jaws of damnation and caught our falling soul. Listen to what I'm going to tell you. His love is exemplified in his coming, but it is consumed in his dying. In his living, he betrothed us. When he was alive, he courted us. When he was alive, he became our future bridegroom. Oh, yes, he did. But when he died, he took possession of us and made us his own to God be the glory for the blood of the lamb tonight oh but listen to what I'm telling you his suffering was a byproduct of his passion his intense love for the ungodly creations which is us led him to three nails and a tree listen to what I'm going to tell you passion the Christ the passion intense desire to overcome for you and for me if you're going through something tonight if you're going through an unbearable situation in your life 
If you're suffering and you don't know why it was you that God chose for the task of suffering. If you're going through something that's messing with your mind and your emotions. Uh, you don't know some days if God is with you or if he's not with you. You wonder why you were ever born to suffer what you're suffering today. If it's you, I want to affectionately dedicate this message to you and tell you that if you're going to hell and high water, you got to hang on. You need to ask God for some passion. Amen. When they come and take your house from you like they did me, you got to learn how to hang on. When they repossess your van like one day they did to me, you got to look at the van taken off and hang on to Jesus. When your babies get sick and you got to take them to the hospital and they're not breathing and they're turning blue like it happened to my baby, you got to hang on anyway and believe. When they're eight days in intensive care and they can't breathe and they don't know they're going to make it like it happened to me, you got to learn how to hang on. You need to ask God for passion for without passion there will be no victory. Oh, friend, you got to ask God. God put something inside of me that will make me hang on when I don't want to hang on anymore. Oh, come on. Somebody's got to know what I'm talking about. Shout yes. Let's give the Lord a round of applause. Come on. Let's entertain the presence of the Lord with our praises. Listen to me. Listen to me. Your suffering must become a byproduct of your passion. It can't be the focus of your life. Some of you are suffering, but don't let it become the main focal point of your existence, my friend. When we focus on the suffering alone, amen, we must, we're missing the mark, I'm sorry to say. The deeper the suffering, the greater the outcome it's going to be. You might have been chosen from God to suffer some horrendous thing in this life. You must have been the one that God said, I'm going to use your life to touch others. I'm going to take something from you and disconnect you from something you you wanted all your life but because I rule and I live I'm going to give you the fortitude I'm going to give you the grace to hang on in the midst of a trial that not many people could go through so that I can use you in the last hour and say in the midst of a crisis I still reign I still rule I still can make a difference in somebody's life Oh, hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Oh, friend, listen to what I'm telling you. By itself, suffering does no good. But when we see it as it the thing between God and us, it has meaning. Wedged in the crux, the cross of Calvary. Suffering becomes a transition, my friend. The cross becomes a place of transition, hallelujah, and transaction. Yes, it does. Hallelujah. The cross is the power of God. Some of you don't realize and don't believe it. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Suffering creates power. <laughs> That's why a lot of people don't have power. Because it's not a song that gives you power. It's not coming to church that gives you any power. It's not shaking the pastor's hand that gives you any authority. The devil doesn't care what your last name is and what kind of song, sign you got hanging upside your church door. You know, friend, what makes the devil move, it's not the influence you got on the outside. It's how much you've been through and how much you know that he can't overcome and say, greater is he that is in me than he 
that is in this world. Friend, when you can talk that way, when you can live that way, when you can stand tall in your midnight hour, the devil's going to have to turn around and walk away. Why? Because you've been to a place called passion. You've been to a place called suffering. And when you suffer, that's when you know God like you've never known him before. Oh, somebody give God a praise. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. Listen up. Listen. Suffering the cross. It's a place where power happens between God and us. It is where relationship gives birth to death. <laughs> Suffering is a place where you know fellowship with the Lord and thereby become intimate with Jesus. It is through your suffering where you see him as you've never been able to see him before. You see, when Peter and the disciples were convinced that they were going to perish in a midnight ocean storm, they saw Jesus approaching on the water, frightened, thought it was a ghost appearing to make matters worse. Not only are we dying, but here comes a ghost. Oh, help me, Jesus. Peter didn't know what to do, and something said, hey, if it's Jesus, say, Lord, if it's you, call that I may come unto thee. And the Lord stopped and said, come. Peter did something no man had ever done before. You see, let me tell you something. If it wasn't for the storm, Peter would never have challenged his faith. If, he had if it wasn't for the storm, he had never tried the impossible. He would never have walked on water. The storm of suffering and trouble transforms you and allows you to see God in a different light. When you're in trouble and all the walls are caving in, you put away the little sweet mirror, not the stance. You put away the sweet, oh Lord, your anointing and your divine eminence come upon me until you go away with those cheap prayers. You begin to say, Jesus, if you're there, you better touch me. If you don't touch me today, I'm probably going to die tomorrow. You get desperate. You become a war prayer warrior. Your worship becomes real. Your song becomes anointed. When you're in trouble and when you're suffering, you begin to see things you can never see if you're not in trouble. The devil will tell you you're suffering because God is punishing you. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. God doesn't punish you. God takes you through stuff. Hallelujah. And the devil would like you to think that God is mean and has no feeling and has no love. And if there was a God, why did this happen to you? Shut up, devil. I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death and I shall fear no evil for thou art with me. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you nor forsake you. I shall be with you to the end of the world. Friend, you're not alone. He called us to suffer, but to suffer with him. He never lets you suffer by yourself. He'll let you suffer to create a greater ending. But in the suffering, he's with you. He's right there. You may not feel him. You may not see him. You may not smell him and feel him in your spirit. But he's right there. Oh, somebody shout hallelujah. Passion. We need passion to serve the Lord. You don't get transformed just by coming to church. You get transformed by going through troubles and suffering and pain. Something happens in you. When you hit the wall of suffering, your attitude changes. You're not the proud guy you used to be. You now walk a little different and you cry a little easier. 
you become tender to the voice of God when suffering hits your life when you lose a loved one when a marriage breaks up when you lose the job when you lose your house when your kids sick in the hospital oh my god everything doesn't matter you don't care how much your clothes is wrinkled if you got the right pair of shoes on or not you don't care if you got the hairdo that night or not your baby's sick and you're there at three in the morning oh father hallelujah glory you're quoting scripture it changes you you don't care who's around you don't care what's going on it transforms you friend if we don't go through suffering and trouble we'll never know what god can do listen listen someone once said quote it is the fire of suffering that brings forth the gold of godliness god has a purpose behind every problem he uses circumstances to develop her character god uses problems trouble suffering to draw us closer to himself the bible says psalms 34 18 the lord is nigh to them that are of a broken heart and saveth such that of a contrite spirit your most profound intimate experiences of worship will likely be in your darkest days if you want to know how to worship him in spirit and in truth it is not done in the church you're going to find out how to worship him when your world is caved in on you. When it's midnight and you can't see and feel your way around, that's when you become intimate with him. When your heart is broken, when you feel abandoned, when you're out of options, when the pain is the greatest, you turn to God and say, Jesus, that's all you can say. You put away the prayer so that the pastor can hear you. Oh, Father, I feel the spirit. Praise God. Vamonos with that hypocrisy junk. You begin to cry out whether he's there or not. You don't wait for him to be home. If your baby's sick and you get into some, some pain on the inside and you don't know what to do, you call him. He's not home. You call the ministry. They're not home. Friend, when you go through suffering and pain, you step into your role as a high priest and say, I'm not an ordained minister, but I'm going to lay hands on you right now in the name of Jesus I command you to be set free I command you to be made whole I command you to be healed when you begin to assume your priestly calling of God when you get your back against the wall oh somebody shout hallelujah many people have learned to say amen in the apostolic Sundays amen praise God we're trained we learn be careful that you don't do these things because you've learned it because you grew up in it it's got to be a passionate desire to know him it is during suffering that we learn to pray our most authentic heartfelt honest to god prayers when you're in pain we don't have the energy for superficial prayers all your complexes all your embarrassments out the window it's do or die sink or swim heaven or hell i need you now you begin to pray a little differently when you get into trouble somebody shout hallelujah some of you get real spiritual when the red light hits you on the freeway oh la sangre de cristo help me lord uh-huh especially you got a little record behind you especially you got something in your closet father if you get me out of this one i'll get to church and give it all i got oh you you start getting way deep in god you start getting intimate with jesus oh help me lord you know what i'm talking about now when life is rosy we may slide by by, uh, by knowing about jesus 
with imitating him and quoting him and speaking of him. But only in suffering will we know Jesus. Listen to what I'm going to tell you. God is not going to take you any further in your life if you stay where you're at. You must allow him to disconnect. You must allow him to touch your life. You must allow him to mold you and fashion you and fill you with power to become unto a man of death. Oh, help me, Lord, through suffering and trials so that when you get on the other side, your worth and value is gone up tremendously in the sight of God you may not be the same man you may walk differently you may not have the shiny car anymore or the new house oh but when you walk into a place people know that there is something different about you when you walk into a room where the sick person is demons tremble oh hallelujah when you walk into a situation all hell's gotta stop and say wait a minute this guy's for real when you open your mouth and call on the name of Jesus heaven and earth stop and God says what do you want son you're on a first name basis with the spirit of God when you go through suffering you become a high priest in God but the cost of knowing Jesus is pain and suffering this is why a lot of people don't know Jesus like they think they do because they have refused and have gone the way of the least resistance the path of least resistance has taken them to the mediocre apostolic lifestyle that's got nothing but uh, ritualistic repetition in their worship oh but when you go through sufferings and you allow God to fashion you onto a man of death oh my friend the pain is true real the tears are real the emotional hang-up is real the distorted mind becomes real the nervous breakdown almost happens oh but just in time God comes in and says you're ready for me to use you to save somebody else has it ever occurred to you that God used your life for someone else and not for your own your own has it ever occurred to you that you lost somebody because God needs to touch somebody else? And you think, why me? Well, why not you? You're a child of God. <sighs> what a price to pay for a blessing of God. But if you ever noticed in scripture, nothing is ever guaranteed without pain and suffering first. Nothing. Listen to what I'm going to tell you. We learn things about God and suffering that we can't learn any other way. You see, God could have kept Joseph out of jail. He could have kept Daniel out of the lion's den and Jeremiah from being tossed into a slimy pit. Paul from being shipwrecked three times. And he could have kept the three Hebrew boys out of the being thrown into a blazing furnace. But he let those problems happen. And every one of those persons drew nearer to God as a result. Problems, troubles anxiety and suffering force us to look to God and depend on him instead of ourselves apostle Paul puts it like this 2 Corinthians 9 1 9 and 10 yes we ourselves have had a sentence of death within us that we should not trust in ourselves but in God who raises the dead who delivered us out of so great a death and does deliver and whom uh, we have set our hope and that he will also deliver us he did deliver he does deliver and he will deliver he'll never stop delivering you but listen to what i'm going to tell you listen to me closely you'll never know that god is is all you need until god is all you have some of you have more than god and that's why god hasn't become your all 
until God is all you have left. That's when God is going to become the greatest in your life. But it's going to cost you pain and suffering. This is why sometimes I feel that the gifts of the Spirit and the power of God has impeded in our congregations because we have stopped it up. We have said, wait a minute. Yes, we want authority. Yes, we want the power. Yeah. Oh, but don't tell me not to eat for five days, Lord. It's going to cause me pain. I might get an ulcer. I might bleed to death. Oh, woe is me. I might faint on the road. When five days become six, and six days become seven, and water is no longer palatable to you, it is no longer required, yet need to be consumed, but you don't feel like drinking anymore, the eighth day becomes like the ninth, and when you get to the tenth day, you're floating on air. Not that you're any super spiritual, but what you've done is you emptied yourself of yourself, so now God becomes a little more real, and that's all that happens. But it's going to take something of a disconnect from what you have now to know him for the then. Listen to what I'm going to tell you. Regardless of your cause, none of your problems could happen without God's permission. Everything that happens to a child of God is God filtered. It, he intends to use it for our good even if Satan and others use it for our bad. Where there is no passion, there is no power. The enemy will attempt to either steal your passion or smothered beneath fear of failure and rejection. He doesn't care if you sing. Just don't sing with passion and desire and depth. Just sing along and play along. Doesn't work. Doesn't matter if you raise your hands. Just don't raise them with desperateness. Just raise them because it's the thing to do. If we exist without passion, it will hinder us from achieving our purpose in God for our lives. You see, the struggles of life are unavoidable. All men face struggles and seasons of life, irregardless of their economical, spiritual, or sociological condition or position. It is not what we go through that must be closely monitored. No, sir. It isn't the pain that we adamantly resist. It is the loss of passion that we got to be careful with. Look at the birthing table of an expectant mother. How many mothers here remember the day? Oh, you can count the minutes, can't you? I don't want to go too far into that, but some of you might start screaming and reliving the moment. But it's designated to hold a woman in a birth position in spite of the pain. Jesus was tried, and he tried, he was tied to the birthing table of the Garden of Gethsemane, but the church was in him for the, from the foundation of the world, and it was to be brought out of his bleeding side at Calvary on the cross. He was laid on the stirrups in the garden. As the pain became greater, he prayed to change position. He didn't want to be in a vulnerable position of delivery, Pastor. Luke 22 and 42 says, Saying, Father, if you be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. He tried to get out of position. We are, uh, we are tied tonight to our destiny like a little trembling lamb is tied to the altar of sacrifice. Like a woman lifted up in the birthing bed, trembling in pain, forehead drenched with perspiration. The question is, can you maintain your position? Even when it meant, means that you're being exposed to a harsh level of pain. Can you hold on 
Can you stay in position when it doesn't feel good? Mark 8, 34 and all says, And when he called the people unto him with the disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. Oh, friend. You can't rise above your circumstances without power. You can't. You can't push through your pain without a force inside of you other than yourself. You can't even grasp a perspective for a brighter tomorrow and a happier hope without strength that does come from somewhere else. You see, let me tell you something. If God did not restrain evil today upon us, then suffering would become would come barreling upon us so great it would be uncontrolled. His decrees and ordinances shape good and evil in such a way that it warns us from hell and it gears us toward heaven and it fits us for this life and the life to come. Romans Paul said in chapter 8 and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose for whom he did foreknow he also did predestinate to become conformed to the image of his son how many want to be like Jesus it's going to cost you your life if you don't want to be like Jesus what are you doing in this place if you don't want to be like him why are you even here if you don't want to walk like him and talk like him if you don't want to end up with the authority and the glory of him why are you even here God called you to die not to live God is going to use your life to save a stranger and it's got nothing to do with him everything to do with him, the other one God will use your life and your family and your circumstance to save a cousin you never met and you won't know it until you get to heaven. Hey, you know what? You know why so-and-so passed? When he passed, I came to the funeral and I heard a word from God. And you never knew this, but I went back and God touched me the following Sunday. I got baptized and I pastored the church years later. And, and because of that instance, that's why I'm here today. Friend, you're not going to know, but the suffering you go through is going to bless someone else if it doesn't bless you in this life. Oh my God. All inspired by his love, pure and passionate. Such love you can't ignore. You can't sit on a fence and put it off till later. Love like this begs a response tonight. Besides, remember the promise is conditional. The word said that God, this God of love controls the circumstances that touch the lives of those who love him. Is your heart warmed toward God tonight? Because this message is about Jesus. It's about decisions. It's always when a, we discover something new in his word, our backs up are against the wall, forcing us to make tough decisions about himself and ourselves, as well as choices in suffering today. Pressed up against our limitations, we come face to face with an awesome yet loving God. Yes, you may still have questions, but a choice to trust Jesus can never be wrong. When you say yes to Jesus Christ, the wall behind you collapses. Curtains are thrown open, the windows are raised to let the fresh breeze of possibility come on in. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3.17, And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. 
If you sense in your heart tonight burning more brightly by the things you've heard, if you hear the ringing of truth, then it is God saying to you, I am the answer to your deepest longings. You're here because you have hurt and pain. And God is telling you, I am the answer to the deepest longing, the darkest night, the ugliest moment. I am the only answer have you ever faced or are you facing some tragedy that almost left you in a state of shock I have with a feeling of disconnect disenchantment and, dis and indifference toward God and the church it seems safe to be disconnected brother pastor Burunda because as long as you didn't think about it it didn't hurt so let's just play church and not really get to the core of the problem because once we start talking about my problems oh it hurts I'd rather run and act like everything's fine, but it's not fine. I'm hurting. Oh. Hallelujah. Have you lost your passion or feel no intensity to be productive, my brother? The Bible says that Genesis 3.16, give me 10 minutes. Until the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy, and thy conception. In sorrow shalt thou bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Listen to the scriptures. When God spoke to the first woman about childbirth, he spoke of sorrow and travail. He spoke of a violent, tempestuous uh, 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 pain of labor, something awful and horrendous. He forewarned her about the billowing progression of contractions she would experience at the end of the third trimester of pregnancy. As her pelvic bones are literally moved apart, as if separated by the effects of an earthquake, she is open, the, her gates of femininity are open and prepare for birth of a child. The near death-like experience, pain comes faster and harder as she gets closer to her delivery. The flesh of the woman is crushed beneath the weight of an oncoming child and is engulfed with a traumatic rush to deliver life. Afterwards, you would expect her to, to say, I will never know a man again. But that is not so. God says that at the end of all this labor and pain, he would recycle the relationship between the woman and the man by returning her desire to him. He says, and thy desire shall be to thy husband. God knows that there is no cure for past pain in your life like present desire for him today. If you allow God to put a desire for him in your life, your past pain is real, but it's bearable. As Brother Ramirez comes to the keyboard and my wife comes to a microphone and the singers come to help her. The passion. The power of having passion. The power of having passion. Oh, hallelujah. There's a story about a watch in the ice house that I want to share with you tonight. Before refrigerators, people used ice houses to preserve their food. Ice houses had thick walls and no windows, Pastor. And a tightly fitted door. In the winter, when lakes and streams were frozen, 
Large blocks of ice were cut and hurled into the ice house and covered with sawdust. Often the ice house would preserve the ice well into the summer months. One day, a man lost a valuable watch while working in the ice house. He searched for it diligently, carefully, raking through the sawdust, and he didn't find it. His fellow workers also looked, but their efforts too proved futile. A small boy who heard about the search slipped into the ice house and soon emerged with a watch in his hand and said, Here, I found it. Amazed, the men asked the child, How in the world did you find it, son? And he said simply, I walked into the ice house and I closed the door behind me. I laid down in the sawdust and I kept very, very still until I heard the watch ticking. The question often is, it's not whether God is speaking, but rather, are we being still enough to hear his voice? Suffering will cause you to hear the voice of Jesus. There is a watch in the ice house tonight, and it is called the word of promise. Tonight, let us find it. Come to an altar. Turn your cell phones off, your two-way radios, and put your ear to the spirit, if you will, and listen for the voice of the Lord. The power of passion. We need passion in our service toward the Lord. Friend, something is lost in the ice house and you cannot find it unless you become very, very still. I wonder who wants to know Jesus a little bit deeper tonight. I wonder who would like to come closer to the knowledge of him that saved you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I wonder who tonight will come and put the ear to the ground and listen for the voice of the Lord. As you stand, there's a voice calling. And I can't do anything for you tonight other than what I have told you. God has used me tonight to tell you that he wants your attention. Put your bitterness aside. Put your hurt feelings aside. Put your damaged emotions aside. It's all real. It is real. It's not make-believe. You did go through trauma. You are suffering. It is seeming unfair. It, it is painful. But in the midst of all your darkness... There is a watch ticking. And friend, it is for you to possess if you lay still enough in your storm and wait upon the Lord. Altar is open. Sing it, honey. Let's just love, There's Lord. Let's listen. 